Hi, you're listening to a sermon from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. We're so glad you're listening. If you'd like more information, you can visit us online at oakhills.org or phone us at 916-983-0181. Up to Christmas Eve to talk about four surprising promises that we find in the Christmas story. And these promises tell us a whole bunch about God and about who he is. They tell us about things that God values, and they tell us about things that he does not value. And so we had a plan mapped out for today's service. But in light of recent events in our region and recent events in the life of our own church, we decided to alter today's plan just a bit. As we reflect on Advent today, we are going to do so by thinking about the surprising promise that is in the Advent story of hope in the midst of tragedy. The fires that have ravaged Northern California in recent weeks, and in particular the fire in paradise, have reminded all of us of the heartache of this world and how difficulties and trouble and trials are no respecter of seasons. Christmas or not, there are a whole bunch of people who have recently lost everything. And as we think of them today, we want to consider the hope Advent offers them and us, even in the midst and right in the midst of tragedy. Our church has experienced a number of losses in recent months. A few months ago, actually probably more like six weeks ago, Bob Peterson passed away suddenly. Many of you knew Bob. We are continuing to think and pray for his wife, Lynn. But that was an event that came out of nowhere about six weeks ago. Some of you know Brian Steiner. Brian was playing the bass up on stage today. Recently, his mother, Carol Watt, passed away very quickly, and we're thinking today of Brian and his family. Trisha Rasica, another person who has been part of Oak Hills for a long, long time, lost her sister, Glenda, recently. And many of you know that we lost one of our most precious friends this past Tuesday. Teresa Harbert and Dave Harbert have been part of Oak Hills ever since the church began back in 1984. And in recent months, again, as many of you know, Teresa has been battling cancer and she's been receiving, she was receiving treatment for it. And she was in the final stages of preparing to receive even more extensive treatment down at Stanford. Her disease was not curable and she knew that. But with treatment and care, the expectation was that she would live several more years. And last Sunday, if you were here, you may have noticed when you walked in, Dave and Teresa were standing in the back of the auditorium as they have many, many times throughout uh, the years. But this past Tuesday, she collapsed on the floor of her bedroom, and when Dave came home from an appointment, Teresa had already entered into her eternal life with the Lord she loved and followed for so many years. And if you knew Teresa at all, or even had just heard about her, then you know why her death has affected so many of us here at Oak Hills. Teresa was a beautiful person, a person in whom the Spirit of God lived and moved. She was small in stature, but she had a magnificent soul. She abided in Jesus. She walked with Jesus. And on those Fairly rare occasions when she talked, one realized very quickly how deeply she knew God. 
Her ministries around Oak Hills were countless. There's hardly a thing in this church untouched by harbored hands. But one of her recent ministries was leading our bread baking team to make the bread for our communion celebration. A few months back, it was an idea that had been floating around, and I sat down with Teresa and asked her if she would consider giving leadership to this. And I'll never forget in asking her about making bread, she began to talk about what making bread was like. And as she talked, it was just full of this sense of worshiping God and being with him and encountering him in the process. And then she took on this task of leading our bread-baking team. And the sacred journey uh, of doing this with Teresa for those who have been on this team simply cannot be put into words. Our celebration of communion today, several weeks ago, we decided let's have an abundance of bread something uh, that would indicate the abundance of God. And the hands that have made the bread that we will be feasting upon today have done so with Teresa's guidance and with her memory in mind. If the Protestant tradition had saints, Teresa Harbert would be one. And her loss is one of those losses that devastates a family. And you may feel this yourself. You may feel it with others you interact with. A loss like Teresa's devastates a church family. And so today we cling to the hope Advent offers. Right here, right in the midst of a tragedy like Teresa's unexpected death. There's another aspect of this Advent season that is good for us to name and to think about for a minute or two. I was talking to a friend the other day whose job involves working with different clients And she was telling me that this time of year, she can tell how some of her clients are trying really hard to be happy, even though she knows they really aren't happy. For some, as you well know, perhaps for you, the season of Christmas resurrects painful memories, maybe of loved ones who have died, maybe of a relationship that is fractured in some way, or maybe of a relationship that has failed, or some dream or hope in life that is splintering or has splintered in the past. This is a time of year when everything around us says celebrate, but this for some is the loneliest and most difficult time of year. And so today we want to bring whatever burden we may be carrying this morning, the heaviness we may feel for those who have lost everything in the fires, the sadness we may feel over the loss of Teresa the sadness we may feel over a personal loss, or the loneliness we or someone we know experiences during the Christmas season. And I want to encourage each one of us to bring these difficulties right into this room this morning and to bring these difficulties right to the communion table because today we want to care for each other as a church family. I'm only going to talk for a few more minutes, and then we're going to open up these two microphones that are in the front of the room and have a time of prayer together where you come and pray for whatever burden is on your heart, for something in your life maybe, for a friend who you know is going through things, for something maybe related to the fires and the devastation, for something that is related to the Harberts or one of the other families that I mentioned, or for something that is going on in someone's life that you know. And you know they're dealing with it. 
C.S. Lewis wrote, The birth of Christ is the central event in the history of the earth, the very thing the whole story has been about. And one of the promises we glean from the Christmas story is that the coming of Jesus means real hope for real people who are living in a sometimes painful world. Hope, real hope, is just packed into the Advent story. Not optimism, not this kind of wishful thinking, but in Advent, hope surges because the long wait for God is finally over. Sometimes when we read the Bible, it may be challenging to relate to what we are reading because the world of biblical times is so different than today's world. I occasionally hear people say, you know, it would have been so much easier to live back then. Much simpler, less chaos, less hurry. And I kind of think maybe in some sense, but not really. The vast majority of the Bible was written to people who were oppressed. They were struggling and living under the thumb of an occupying nation and all the tyranny that comes with that they experienced. First it was Egypt, then it was the Philistines and other nations, then it was the Assyrians, then it was the Babylonians, then it was the Persians, and at the time of Jesus' birth, it was the Romans. And so however different our world is from their world, one thing we share in common is the desire for real hope. Something we can actually cling to that's not a wish and is not mere optimism. Something solid, something substantial that we can put our hope in. In fact, the people of the first century literally ached with hope. And they cried out to God with a degree of desperation and a degree of urgency most of us do not have because we haven't needed it. For as long as Israel had been a nation, it looked forward to the day when God would send his Messiah. They were always thinking about who God was and looking forward to the time when he would come and he would be their Messiah and he would reign. Psalm 130 says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. This waiting for God is what the Bible calls hope. Now, as we know, Israel's understanding of what the Messiah would do was misguided, but they looked and waited for years and decades and generations and centuries for God to deliver them through the arrival of their Messiah and of their king. 700 years before Jesus came, Isaiah prophesied of the time when the Messiah would come. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. When real people who were living in a painful world heard these kinds of hopeful words, they were not thinking of some sort of religious development that would one day occur but not really affect anything. They were clinging to the hope conveyed in these words about a coming king and their whole lives centered on realizing this hope. Their whole existence was shaped by their hope for the coming of their king because this king would change everything. 
And again, they misinterpreted how he would change everything. But they were correct that he would change everything. The coming of the Messiah would be the central event in the history of the earth. The birth of Jesus is the central event in the history of the earth. And because the king has come, everything changes. For he is powerful and he is good and everything changes in the light of his coming. So I say this with compassion for those who lost everything in the fires. Everything changes in the light of Jesus' coming. He brings hope right in the midst of the tragedy. I say this with compassion for those who are lonely and hurting this time of year. Everything changes in the light of Jesus' coming. He brings hope right in the midst of the tragedy and the loneliness. I say this with deep compassion for the Harbert family and the Watt family and for Brian and the Rassica family and the Peterson family and the entire Oak Hills family. Everything changes in the light of Jesus' coming. Jesus brings hope right in the midst of the tragedy. And I say this for those of us who are not experiencing tragedy at this moment. Everything changes in the light of Jesus' coming. He brings real hope. And it is really good for us to begin this Advent season pausing to remember that Jesus is our hope, that life is different right now, whatever we are facing, because Jesus has come. All of the things that seem so urgent and important are probably urgent and important to a degree, but probably not to the degree we think they are. So as we think about our lives, as you think about your situation, as you think about some piece of your life that is not the way you want it to be, I just want you to hear this in light of the Advent story. Everything changes in the light of Jesus' coming. And he is our hope. And it is good for us to sit in these truths as a church family and feel this and remember these things and pray for ourselves and pray for each other that we will cling to the hope we have in Jesus, even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of heartache, even in the midst of grief. I got a random phone call last night. One of those ones that comes and you don't recognize the phone number and usually you don't answer it. The kind you answer and then there's this delayed moment of silence. And then sometimes there's this exceedingly cheery voice that says, hello, how are you today? And you kind of just realize they're trying to sell something. Or they say, you're about to be arrested for not paying your taxes, that whole thing. I got one of those calls last night. It's one of those calls where we soon realize how unlike Jesus we are. We'll leave it at that. Well, I answered this call last night, and it was a recording. Never got this one before. From St. Mary's Prayer Center, asking if I had any urgent needs that I would like them to pray for. It struck me how interesting on the eve of Advent to get a call asking, is there anything that you need prayer for? Tis the season, I'm afraid, for heartache and for hope and for prayer. 
So we want to take some time right now, and we want to do this together. And we want to spend some time praying together as a church family. So I want to explain this. There's two microphones. There's one here, and there's one here. And they'll be raised so you don't have to bend over or pick the whole thing up. But this is a time for us to pray together. Let me briefly explain this. This is not so much a sharing time. We have times where we do words of the people, where we invite folks to come and to share what God has laid on their heart. And then we have times like this, known as prayers of the people, where we ask you to come and to lead the rest of us in a prayer for whatever God has laid on your heart. This is a time for us to be with God, a time for us to be present to the Spirit of God and ask Him to come and minister to us. So you may have something already that you're thinking of that you'd like to pray for. But let me encourage us to be thinking of those who are uh, suffering the loss from the recent fires that have happened and that we take time and some of you would lead us in praying for those folks. There are people, you may be one of them, you may know folks. This is a good time for us, for some of you to come and lead us in praying for those who are experiencing loneliness this time of year, for whom this season is difficult. This is a time for you, many of you perhaps, to come and to pray for Dave and for Nathan and for Aaron and for Ryan Harbert and ask the Spirit to be with them in this season of grief. This is a time for some of you to come and lead us in prayer for Brian Steiner and for Jim Watt and for Brian's family as they grieve the loss of Carol. This would be a time for someone to come and pray for Trisha Rasica and the loss of her sister or to pray for Lynn Peterson as she continues to deal with Bob's death. This would be a time to come and pray for yourself, whatever you might be carrying or other people and you may know what they're going through, a friend you have, and it'd be a time to come and pray. You come and lead us, and I assure you, all the anxiety or any anxiety or fear, or I don't pray the right way, or I don't pray in public, or it's not going to sound good, none of that matters. It doesn't matter at all. This is a chance for us to minister to each other, a chance for us to be present to the Spirit. So I invite you to be bold, to take risks, and to come and pray. My encouragement is to uh, pray shorter prayers so that we can have many people pray. We have ample time for this. We're going to just sit in this for a while and ask God and lean into him and trust him together. And if you remember to, just so we kind of all can participate in your prayer, when you're finished praying, if you can remember simply to say, Lord, in your mercy, and the rest of us will respond, hear our prayer. But we want to just kind of go one after another and give ample time for this as we minister to one another in prayer. So I'm going to begin, and when I'm done, I invite any of you that want to to stand up, come to these microphones, and lead us in prayer. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you in this season of the year where we look forward to your arrival. We anticipate it, and we hope for it. But we also come this season of the year as a church family and as people living in a time where difficulty has come into our lives, into our region, and into the lives of some people we love deeply. And so we pray in this time, Spirit of God, that you will be present with us, that you will bring us the comfort of your presence, 
that as we minister to one another in prayer, that your spirit will move in response and that healing would happen and power would go forth and that we will once again recognize by experience that everything changes in the light of your coming. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Whoever wants to come and lead.